This episode is brought to you by Basque Bank. Did you know the Basque Mileage Savings Account is the only savings account that earns American Airlines Advantage miles? That's 1.5 miles for every $1 saved annually. At Basque Bank, you'll experience zero monthly account fees, fast and easy setup, friendly customer service, and it's FDIC insured. A Bass Savings account out-earns others so that your savings can take you farther. Check the episode show notes to learn how you can open a Basque Savings account today. Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. Our guest today is Janice Torres. Janice is a national acclaimed, award-winning Latina money expert, educator, speaker, writer, and business coach. Janice is on a mission to educate marginalized communities on topics like entrepreneurship, investing, and building generational wealth through her personal finance podcast, Yo Quiero Dinero. In this episode, we discuss the steps that led her to quit her 9 to 5 and grow her successful brand, Yo Quiero Dinero. Later, we discuss the 10 income streams she created to earn over $100,000 per year. As always, thank you for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Be sure to get our free couples money starter kit. The link is in the show notes. Okay. Hey, Janice. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Super excited to connect finally. I feel like this is long overdue. Yes, yes. Jersey in the house, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jersey, Jersey, Jersey. You know, we are huge fans of yours. You know, we're just so grateful that you are joining us on our podcast. For those who may not know you, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So yeah, shout out to Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl, born and bred uh, Latina, specifically Puerto Rican. And I am a full-time entrepreneur. I work in the personal finance space, but I started as a food blogger. So my journey through entrepreneurship has been very non-linear, which I'm so excited to dive into during this conversation. And I found myself as a first-generation Latina, not knowing anything about money, not knowing anything about building wealth. And as I got really curious, started learning about it, I realized this is a conversation that nobody's having in my community, but we all need to be having it because we're seeing the impact of not having this information. And so I kind of took it upon myself to start a platform called Yo Quiero Dinero, which is a personal finance platform for the Latinx community where we can learn about all things dinero. We love it. We love it. And so, you know, I think it's so important, right? Because like you said, there's so many of us in our communities that just aren't taught about personal finance. And so I guess I'm curious, how did you even enter into this world of personal finance? Like, what was your entry point? Like, how did what was the catalyst for you to start even learning about personal finance for yourself? Yeah. So I love this question because, you know, I have found that there's a number of people who enter the personal finance conversation from a finance background, or they went to school for business, or they worked somewhere, you know, in investing, investment banking or whatever. That for me was like the furthest (laughs) of where my career stems from. So my father is actually an engineer. He works in computer automation. Like my dad was building computers back when it like wasn't a thing in the eighties. He learned all things like electrical engineering and stuff working for the U.S. military, actually. So I grew up in a household that was very like tech focused, which is not common for Latino households in general. But my dad always instilled in me this love of learning and curiosity. I mean, he is the smartest person I know. And he just gave me like that 
encouragement to always learn, always be curious. And so I grew up with that mentality and I was always a good student. So as a kid, I was always into really understanding like how things work. I was into science. I was super passionate about the STEM fields in general. And so I thought that I was going to follow in his footsteps. And for a while I did. I pursued an engineering career. I went to school and got a, I got two degrees. I have one in molecular biology and chemistry and another one in biotech. And that was what I was envisioning for my life, just to kind of follow in my dad's footsteps as an engineer. And then I found myself around the age of 27, feeling completely burnt out, uninspired, and feeling like I had made a huge mistake with my career. So I did what many people do when they're in the throes of a quarter life crisis. I went on Google and I was like, how do you quit your job? I literally Googled, like, how do you quit your job? I want to restart my life. I feel like I made the wrong decision. I'm not excited about what I do for work, but I don't really know what other options there are out there. And with that Google search, I came upon the financial independence community. Because as you know, many people who get into financial independence, the FIRE conversation, they're looking for something beyond the corporate 45-year career. They don't want to wait till they're 65 to retire. And so for me, that's kind of how I entered the personal finance space. I started diving into podcasts, reading a bunch of blogs. And after doing that for about three years, I realized there's no Latinas talking about this. Why? And so that's kind of how I got into the personal finance community, not just from a consumer, but now from a creator standpoint. So for those who may not know, what exactly is financial independence? You know, I love that you said that you Googled, how do I quit my job? And I think (laughs) a lot of us around that age, to be honest, you know, like when we get when we've been working for a few years and we're we're just not finding it fulfilling, we're like, how do I get myself out of here? Because this is not it. So, you know, for those who may not know, what exactly is financial independence and what did you learn from your research about it? Yeah. So initially I understood it to be this concept where you basically try to live off as little as possible and squirrel away as much of your salary into an investment portfolio where you're diversifying it into typically index funds or ETFs. And you're basically like piling money into the stock market. A lot of the people who have led this conversation have come from position of having like really high salaries. We're talking like multiple six figures sometimes. And so I knew I had a six figure salary at the point that I was learning about financial independence. So I'm like, okay, maybe I do have like the disposable income to actually make this happen. But I also realized this idea of sticking it out in my career for another 10, 15, 20 years that it was going to take me to reach my financial independence number, which is essentially the amount of money that you need to have invested in order to be able to walk away from your job and not have to work anymore. That for me didn't sit quite right. I'm like, I don't know if I could tolerate this for another 10 plus years. And then I found out that there's all different types of financial independence. And for me, the one that stuck out the most was this idea of cash flow financial independence. And so what that is, is basically finding a way to replace your monthly salary with passive income. So at that point, I was already a blogger for about five years, and I had been seeing my passive income grow through that process. And so what I decided is I'm not going to take the traditional financial independence route where I try to just scale down my expenses and throw a bunch of money into the stock market. I'm actually going to focus on this entrepreneurial venture that I started and seeing how I can scale this to the point where I can make at least $10,000 a month 
And if I could do that, then I'd be able to become financially independent. I wouldn't need to work a nine to five anymore. And so that's where my focus decided to be centered on. Yeah. So you started a food blog and it started to pick up. Take us through like your thoughts when you started seeing this income, but also you wanted to leave your job. Like when did that momentum hit where you're like, okay, it's time for me to. (laughs) When when did you get enough FU money to walk away? (laughs) (laughs) To break it down another way. Yes. So I didn't know anything about like the concept of an FU fund for a very long time. And I'm obsessed with it now. So I tell everybody about it, but let's see, I didn't make any money for like the first two years of food blogging. I was really just trying to figure out like, how do you monetize this? How do you get traffic? I was, it was very much an experimental hobby at that point. But by 2016, I'd started making passive income through display ads. So those are the ads that you see like pop up on websites. Basically, that's one of the main ways that bloggers monetize their content. You drive traffic to your site. Those ads give you revenue. The more traffic you have, the more money that you make. And by 2017, I had made my first $10,000 in a single year through this venture. So for me at that point, I was like, wait a minute, this is like actual money. This is like money I have to report on my taxes. This is not like $5 here and there. So at that point, I knew I had locked into something specifically with my niche in the Latin food realm because there wasn't a lot of Latin food bloggers at that point. So I decided to just really focus in on growing that. And by the time that I ended up quitting my job in 2021, my blog had gone from making $10,000 in a single year to over $100,000 in a single year. And so by that point, that was 2021. And I said, well, I'm actually making more with this project than I am in my nine to five. I was making like $120,000 as an engineer and my food blog made $144,000 that year. So at that point, I had hit my goal, which was let me replace that full-time income, $10,000 a month. And, and I pulled the plug in May of 2021. Take us through those moments, right? Because you already were sick and tired of your job. You know, you had to get to that point where you had to quit, right? Uh, give you a notice. What was that moment like? And, and how did you feel? Well, I will say I didn't have complete control over the narrative that I got to choose when it came to quitting my job. And what I mean by that is I was actually outed by an anonymous colleague about what was happening in my personal entrepreneurial journey, because by that point, I had started my second business, which was Yo Quiero Dinero. So the social media platform was growing exponentially. I'm assuming some people from work found me in some way, which is weird because I didn't, I wasn't friends with anybody from work on social media, but I basically had a meeting with my boss on the Friday before my birthday. And she said, I wanted to talk to you about something. Someone from the company told me that you're planning on quitting your job, according to your social media. And is that true? So, you know, it's like you have those deer in headlight moments, but at the same time, I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I was going to do this shit anyway. It's just a matter of like what date I was going to pick. I was going to do it on December 31st of that year. This was April 30th. And so at that point I had made, I want to say close to like a hundred thousand dollars in four months in my business. And I was realizing that I was holding on to just like this old identity by giving myself this December 31st timeline. It was completely irrelevant. It was just based in fear. And when I was confronted with the decision of like, am I going to actually admit that I'm going to quit my job? I said, yeah. I said, yeah, you know what? You're right. 
I'm absolutely going to quit my job. Actually, I'm going to tender my resignation letter as soon as we hang up on this phone call. And that's exactly what I did. So that Monday, I handed in my resignation letter. It was actually like the day after my birthday. And I gave them two weeks notice and I went on my merry way. And I never found out who it actually was, but I'm pretty sure they follow me at this point, as well as a bunch of my old co-workers and colleagues. So I'm like, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. That was just the universe pushing me out of my comfort zone and saying, girl, stop holding on to this. It's time to go. You, you know what? That That's great that you you reframed it that way, because <laughs> I'm like, as you're saying, I'm like, I would feel the type of way if my coworker went to my boss and just told my business instead of even just coming to me and asking about it first. Yeah. You know, like how inappropriate. But you know what? You're right. Like this was the universe, God, whatever you want to call it just pushing you because sometimes you need that push. A lot of us need that, right? Because we put ourselves on these these arbitrary timelines and like, oh, not yet. Like we we want what's comfortable and that paycheck coming every two weeks is very comfortable, right? And so sometimes you just need the kick in the butt. It's true. It's (laughs) so true. We'll be like pushing down the the mark of like, okay, now I can do it. Oh, wait, let me wait until this. And then let me push it out again. And at some point you just got to, Jump out the plane, girl. Jump out the plane. Jump out. <laughs> yeah. So, so okay. So you're making, I think you said $144,000 from your business in four months, I think you said. But I want to talk about, because I read an article about how you had about 10 income streams coming in that was making you 100K per year. So can we just break that down a little bit? Because I know, like, especially now with the economy, people are looking for additional income streams to supplement, you know, their, or just to add to their, you know, regular paycheck that comes in. So what can you tell our audience about how to build additional income streams? Yeah, so I think the most powerful thing you can do is use low cost and free tools to start those income streams, right? When a lot of people think about businesses, they think automatically, well, I got to go get like a six figure loan from a bank or I got to go and like get a lease for a retail store. With the power of the internet, you can start free and low cost platforms like for super cheap. My food blog, I started for less than $100, right? I got a domain. I didn't even have my own laptop at that point. I was literally using like my work laptop to build this this food blog, okay? I had my little crappy iPhone 6, I think it was. I did not buy a bunch of equipment right away. I wanted to just learn the concept of how does one start a food blog? And you can do that for free on Google and YouTube, okay? So experimentation and investing in your knowledge is free. You can just do that on your own, read books, listen to podcasts, check out other content creators that are doing what you want to do. With my podcast, I started that for free too. I use a platform called Anchor. It's an app you can download. I started talking to my phone. I didn't have any fancy microphone set up. I didn't have, you know, fancy editing software. I found something I could download for free. And so when it comes to starting your own business, there are so many free and low cost tools that you can start selling things like digital products that don't require any inventory. We're talking about like templates or video workshops or digital downloads, right? Affiliate marketing, completely free. All you have to do is find an affiliate that makes sense for the audience that you're marketing to. You don't have to spend any money on that. When it comes to the ways that I make money, freelance writing is another way. 
I just write for freelance media and doing my own virtual workshops, not spending any money hosting a workshop in a big hotel. I can do that right here on Zoom, right? And so there's a lot of different ways that you can monetize your skills and create additional passive income streams, but it's getting out of the mentality of what entrepreneurship typically looks like for a lot of older generations, where it's like you're making heavy investments, you're buying like real estate to start your business. With the internet, there. I feel like entrepreneurship is democratized now. It's more accessible than ever. And it's just a matter of now tapping into your skill set and figuring out what it is that you can sell online to make some extra money. Love it. And it's so true. Like figuring out the low cost way to do things is the way to go. And I, and you're, you're totally right that a lot of us think that we do need to get, you know, business credit or a loan of some sort to even start putting our businesses together. I want to touch on something that you just said, and that's real estate. So you recently wrote an article in time about your first real estate investment experience. And I want to I want to just talk that through a little bit. Can you just tell us a little bit about the article? Yeah. So this was right before I found the financial independence movement. So we're talking 2016. I had just turned 30 and according to society and especially when you're like a person of color, that's what people tell you to do. You got to go buy real estate. That's the only secure bet. We don't invest in the stock market. We don't start businesses. We just got to buy a house, right? And so I was definitely following that narrative. It was a lot of pressure from my family, from friends. They're just like, you're wasting money. Renting is stupid. So I definitely succumbed to the pressure, but I said, you know what? I'm going to be smart. And I say this in air quotes. I'm going to buy an investment property where I can live in one unit and rent out the other. I'm going to be a landlord. I'm going to be a first-time homeowner. We're going to get rich. That's what everybody's telling us. We got to do right house hacking. And so I did that. And about two weeks in the basement flooded about six months in, I'd spent probably close to $25,000 fixing various issues that came about, including the brand new heating system, not being installed correctly. They had apparently poured concrete down the sewer line during the DIY renovations. And my that's why the basement ended up flooding. So I had to replace the whole damn sewer line. All of these things started to happen. And I had emptied out my emergency fund to buy this house because it was in New Jersey and New Jersey real estate is hella expensive. So just to get three and a half percent to put down on a almost $500,000 house, emptied out my savings account, had to start taking out 401k loans to handle these unexpected repairs, putting stuff on credit cards. And I ended up basically being house poor and having a nervous breakdown, you know, within a couple of months of owning this house, I was just like literally fantasizing about burning it down. I felt like I had made the biggest mistake of my life. And for me, it forced me to reflect on this idea that just because other people are doing something doesn't mean that it's the right decision for me. And it required me to reevaluate everything I was doing with my life when it comes to money, when it comes to my career. And it was like that come to Jesus moment that I needed to be like, you don't need to be following advice from people who are not even really living the life that you want to live, right? There's so many people in my friends and family circle who were living the typical American dream, getting into a ton of debt to buy a house, working in careers that they hated, checking things off on the adulting list of, of life, but none of them were happy. 
And so I'm like, why am I continuing to take advice from people who aren't even living like their best version? And so that's that's kind of what I needed to wake up and say, I'm done following the narrative of like what everybody else says I should be doing. And I'm going to start listening to myself. And what that said is, girl, you need to remove anything and everything that is not allowing you to live the freedom that you want. That's the word that kept kept coming to me. And that's what made me dive in headfirst into then pursuing financial independence, eventually selling the house, getting rid of all my debt. And now I'm like, I got all the options because I decided to stop following the narrative that everybody else was telling me was the right way to do things. Yeah, so it's so true. We can get stuck in terms of, you know, these deadlines, in terms mm-hmm. of these goals, and we're, you know, end up following and chasing other people's dreams instead of our own. So, you know, sometimes, like Angie said earlier, you have to have these experiences to kind of like jolt you to be like, okay, what am I really doing? And what do mm-hmm. I really want to do in my life? I'll just say, like, I think we feel the same way about real estate investing because, I mean, it's a lot of work, right? That people don't realize. And I think, especially with social media, it looks sexy, right? It looks like, oh, all the, all this money coming in from other people, you know, all the cash flow and whatnot. But there's a lot of work that takes place to get it to that point, especially when you have to do renovations on the property and whatnot, especially when you have tenants that don't pay you. Got a pandemic that shows up out of nowhere. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, It quickly becomes another job instead another of another passive income. income. Yeah, absolutely. And this idea of being in a ton of debt for physical real estate, too, gives me so much anxiety, yes. especially now as a single woman. I'm like, the last thing that I need is for something to happen that's then going to put the rest of what I built in jeopardy. And for me, just having like a million dollars worth of mortgages, that might be cool for some people, but that will keep me up at night. Yes. I'm the same way. I'm the exact same way. Like having a lot of debt overhead, like is just, you know, I, I think what you said is key is that having freedom is what you want and what you're pursuing. And I think that's so important, right. To just keep help, keep things into perspective. And sometimes, you know, they talk about good versus bad debt and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what you want in your life. Right. And for some people having a million dollars of debt is okay. Having leverage, whatever you want to call it is okay. But for you, and that's okay. Right. Because I think a lot of times, like you said, we feed into these narratives that other people have. And it's like, you're chasing something that isn't meant for you. Yeah. Yeah. I just just think it's like, you know, if, if you're scared of debt, right. And you're going to use debt as your freedom, you're never going to be free. Right. Cause you can always be thinking about that debt. <laughs> and if you're nervous of, you know, starting your own business and it gives you anxiety every day, then maybe stay in your, your nine to five and you could build wealth and build passive income through that. Right. So it's more of like figuring out what works best mm-hmm. for you and allow you to sleep at night and actually live the life that you want. Exactly. So my question is, so you're not necessarily investing in real estate to build wealth. So like, what are you now doing? Like, how are you investing in, like, how are you investing your money now to help you grow wealth? Yeah. So I definitely follow the fire principles of, you know, investing as much disposable income as I can. So that looks like maxing out my 401k, my IRA, my HSA, and then pouring excess into my brokerage account. So for this year, I think I've invested like close to $75,000. And last year it was like over a hundred thousand dollars. So I'm very much like a fan of investing, but not in a way that's going to get me into debt. So I do invest in real estate, but I invest in real estate investment trusts, right? Where I am reaping the benefit of dividend income and rental income without 
having to put my skin in the game, if you will, let somebody else deal with the drama <laughs> of the landlords and the property taxes and the zoning laws and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I'm a very boring investor, as they say, index funds, ETFs, dividend stocks, real estate investment trusts. And uh, I invest a lot of energy and time into my business because for me, those have been the two things that have shown to be most fruitful And while there is a cap on how much rent you can charge to somebody, there is not a cap on how much income my business can earn. It's really limited by my creativity and how much time I actually want to put into it. So that's how I invest. Love it. Love it. So so I want to hear now about Yoquero Dinero, because that is how we found you, you know, through your podcast, your award-winning podcast, you know, and like you've been featured in so many different media outlets. So let's talk about that. Like, like, where are you today with Yoquero Dinero? And then where are you going? Yeah. So, I mean, it's been an incredible ride because this platform started in April of 2019, but didn't really start to pick up steam until I started taking it seriously in the beginning of 2020. And I think it was a combination of being in the right place at the right time, but also really committing to that consistency that helped the platform grow exponentially in 2020. We started getting a ton of media features. By 2021, I had been able to quit my job because of how big the platform was growing. And so now I am in a position where I'm writing my first book because of this podcast. I have been able to employ my little sister now and my mom. So it's just like incredible how this idea to create a community that was a safe place for people to come and talk about their money stories has grown into finding my purpose. I really feel like so many of us struggle with trying to figure out how we can make an impact in the world. And what I tell people is like, it's probably not going to be through your nine to five, you know, honestly, unless you're doing something incredible like cancer research or, you know, you're healing children. But for the most part, finding your purpose is going to require you to do things that might feel uncomfortable, like putting yourself out there, like trying new things, like trying things that you never thought you'd try before. And so that's kind of where I'm at now with the platform is just really sharing my journey, sharing where we're going, sharing you know, what following those intuitions and the the calling of the universe can look like. And the origin of this podcast was me sitting, I was actually taking a shower, listening to J-Lo and Cardi B's song, Dinero. And the chorus came on, Yo Quiero Dinero. And that was the universe planting an idea in my head that's like, girl, that's going to be the name of your podcast. That's literally how it started. And I just started to follow those little nuggets and see what what came out. And, and here we are almost a million downloads later, an incredible social media scope. I mean, it's just insane what happens when you just start showing up for those ideas that pop into your head. I love it. And it, and I want to just, I mean, you, you're doing amazing things. And I love what you said that you have to listen to when, you know, those little nuggets that come your way, because honestly, that's available to everyone. Right. And it's yeah. like just up to us to heat it. Right. To like just dig a little deeper. Right. And just find out what's what's that more that we want to go after. And I love it. I love your story. I love the name. Yo quiero dinero. <laughs> and I love what you're doing for Latina women of, you know, and just starting that conversation, those difficult conversations about money and pursuing financial independence, especially in communities that may not even know that this was available to them, you know? So thank you for all you do. Yeah. Thank you. And I wanted to just kind of ask you like in retrospect, like Mm -hmm. through this journey of 
you know, um, paying off debt and building a business and, you know, following your father's footsteps and then pivoting? Like, what did you learn about yourself during these last several years? You know, I, I think the resounding theme that I have been left with is it's okay to change your mind. Right. I think when we are graduating from college or we're trying to figure out like what's going to be the thing that we do, we have this idea that we have to remain in this specific identity for our entire adult lives. And when I talk to people who are interested in starting their own businesses, they are so wrapped up in their previous identity with a career choice that it's like they can't even imagine them being a different version of themselves and starting this business that maybe is completely unrelated to what they do for their career. And I have found that you have to be the one to give yourself permission to understand when a specific season of your life is done. And that's not just applicable to your career. I mean, that could be applicable to relationships, where you live, what car you drive, what house you live in. You know, like we think that we're not allowed to evolve. And I want to remind everybody that like you are not stuck. You are never stuck. And you have permission to change your mind evolve, try something new, say, I'm done with this part of my life. And nothing bad comes out of those decisions. What I find is that typically when we're holding on to things, it's more out of fear than anything. And once you give yourself permission to feel that fear and do it anyway, you have no idea what you can create by giving yourself that permission. Feel that fear and do it anyway. I love it. I love it because that's the key, right? Mm -hmm. Like, doing it anyway, doing it in spite of doing it, being consistent with it right after you start doing it. And you have proven that. So thank you so much, Denise, for just sharing your story. Because again, like I didn't know all of your story. And it's just it's so inspirational to people, right? Like that you can evolve. I'm even in, I think, a season in my life where I'm like, the corporate journey is looking a little different than what I had intended uh, 10 years ago when I graduated college. Right. So it's like just accepting that and allowing yourself to change. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Denise, for those who want to keep up with you, check out the podcast. Where can they find you? Absolutely. You can find me on joquerodinerapodcast.com and you can find the podcast, Yo Quiero Dinero, wherever you're listening to this one. All right. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. This was so good. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. 